Hello, everybody. Uh, good morning to most of you. Um, a special GOAT district today. We've been, we've been crushing it lately with the guests. Today is no different. Uh, GOAT district doubleheader today. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the Super Bowl. We got Alfredo Brown in the district. We got Dan Williamson, as always. Uh, we're going to get after it today, fellas. How you guys doing today? Great. Ready to, ready to rock. It's a new season now. Yeah, feel, feeling better than a lot of the Philadelphia Eagles fans this morning. So it's, that's the good part about having a team that's not very good. They can't hurt you anymore. That's, that's what it is. Go. So I'm feeling good. 100%. Let's get after it, fellas. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion Fought the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So yeah, the, uh, last night was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to touch on the Super Bowl shortly, but uh, our guest is Alfredo Brown of Football Guys. Uh, he's putting out tremendous content. I know that a lot of you have been able to tune in and see John Lobb, Matt Hicks, Cody Carpentier. We've been having on some really excellent uh, guests previewing this 2023 rookie class, and Alfredo is no different. Alfredo, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work right now uh, and the great pod podcast content you've been putting out. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Pretend GM, and then all my work is over at Football Guys. Uh, we're heading into a really, just, I mean, I think it's, this is the most hopeful part of the season for Dynasty managers, right? Like, there's a lot of excitement about the rookies, and uh, everyone, you know, gets to become a scout this time of year, and that's what makes it so much fun. Uh, so you'll you'll see all that stuff on Football Guys throughout the offseason on the YouTube page, and then my show, the Pretend GM Fantasy Football Show. We're going to have tons of guests as well, and highlighting all these different rookies, doing various mock drafts, talking about the offseason stuff. So it should be a really fun offseason over at Football Guys. Yeah, it's an awesome offseason. Um, you know, we've got the franchise tag uh, date coming up, like, very, very shortly. Uh, we're going to have some clarity on that this week. Um, we did have some clarity on the, the by far, uh, and Fantasy Football Twitter, the, 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 the follow with the best Super Bowl spread was our own Dan Williamson, the overhyped sleeper. <laughs> Dan, how did the Super Bowl party go last night for you? Oh man, it was a it, it was a great party. I tell you, if you want to to get the best spread at your party, the easiest way to do it is make it a competition. Uh, we we have competitions for both appetizers and desserts. Uh, there's uh, little prizes for best appetizer, uh, best dessert, and then also a prize for the most creative appetizer and dessert. So people really bring their A game. You know, they're you know it doesn't even matter if you have prizes. People are just all about winning. You know, it's a competition. So. Yeah, they, they all want to win. So, yeah, we, we've been doing a Super Bowl party for 
over 30 years now and um, it's it's just been amazing I mean you know how the the, the food has progressed so I'll have to post some pictures on Twitter it's uh, it's, it's yeah you got to awesome that one yeah and that's a, that's a pretty big time flex and Alfredo how did you spend the Super Bowl last night Man, you know, I, I love to say that I had like some big spread and a cool party, but I did. It was just, it was me and my wife at home. It's one of the quietest Super Bowls I have done in a long time. My wife had just gotten back into town from a trip uh, for, for work. And then I'm leaving on Wednesday to go to the FSGA conference in Las Vegas. So we just decided, you know, like for this little three-day span that we actually have together, just no one else. Let's just, let's just enjoy it. And so I had a little quiet night at home. Yeah, um, me as well. My, it was my son's birthday. He turned six. So we had like a little key family night. It's a lot of fun. Um, my kids made it to halftime, uh, which I was proud. Um, and then they they crashed. And what a second half it was. Unbelievable game. Um, you know, we can talk about the ending of the game. I think there's some, like, kind of sour grapes tweets today. But to me, that was one of the most exciting uh, Super Bowls of all time. And it was certainly one of the most exciting second halves. What, what were your thoughts on the game, Alfredo? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you kind of summed it up really well. This was one of the more exciting Super Bowls. And my wife, who doesn't really know anything about football, she's asking, how was the game? And I was like, honestly, it was awesome. Like, we haven't had a really good Super Bowl like this in a while. And it feels like every year there's always all the buildup, and then it just kind of lets you down. This was actually one of the most fun Super Bowls. And listen, if there are, if there are people in the back room with their typewriter doing the NFL script, like they, they, they did it right this year where they got us the most offense possible. They got us an exciting group of young playmakers, lots of speed. It was just, it was great to watch and, you know, say what you will about the final call, but you know, it's, I don't know that the game came down to just that one call, but overall really fun game. It it definitely, you got to give them, if it's a script, they, they won the Oscar last night. Cause that was, that was, that was pretty good right there. Dan, your, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, to me, it was just really fun to watch. Um, two offensive masterminds using all the tools at their disposal to, you know, in, in just the best way possible. You know, that, that it was just so fun to watch those offenses work and how they, you know, how how they just kind of, you know, found ways to keep producing against really some a couple of pretty good defenses. I mean, the Eagles defense is, is one of the best in the NFL. The Chiefs defense is no joke, but neither one was really able to slow the other one down. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, it, for those who are who are complaining about the officiating and all that, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, there's there, there's always going to be bad calls in games, but in this case, you know, the, the cornerback admitted I was holding. Uh, Juju said I was holding. The ref said he was holding. Um, you know, so it's, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you're not, we'd prefer no flags to come out in the last few minutes of the game, but sometimes it's got to happen. To me, it was just, it was just unbelievable. I mean, you guys touched on, it was like the quality of the quarterback play. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are going to be so expensive in redraft this year. It's, it, that was one of the negatives about it is we always have kind of the recency bias of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Those guys are going to be extremely expensive. Good luck trying to acquire either of them in, uh, in Dynasty, uh, Dynasty Superflex startup drafts. I mean, Jalen Hurts in a Dynasty Superflex startup draft, guys, where are you taking him? Well, I, like, I'll say Mahomes is, to me, still one. Who is I- who are how are you ranking the top three right now in a, in a, in a super flex dynasty startup there? 
I mean, right now, to me, I, I think there's a legitimate case to be made that uh, Hertz could be number two over Josh Allen. I mean, you know, you, you can put them in either order, and I'm not going to quibble with it, but um, I, I think that's a clear top three, and then, uh, you know, Burrow's not far behind them. So How what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree wholeheartedly. I, I think it's when you get into like kind of the two, three, four area, it's even one, to be honest, with Mahomes, like, it's sort of a just pick your flavor. You know, it's, it's like, what, what do you want? How are you going to build your team? Um, I do agree. Mahomes is probably number one. And then I think it's, it's, a, it's a real toss-up between Allen and Hurts there for the two spot. Yeah, I, I think that – I think Hurts has flipped it because, to me, it's – we, we see the quality of the weapons around Hertz and the age where Stefan Diggs is a little older in the tooth. You know, he'll be crossing, you know, that he's already past the, you know, the age apex. He's still producing, but, you know, those, those three receivers are just such quality players. You saw Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, Jalen Hertz kind of, kind of has it going tremendous offensive line play and the Sirianni Hertz uh, combination is, is just tremendous. So that's a, that's a whole nother show. Um, and we could talk about the Super Bowl for an hour here, guys, but we got to dive into this rookie class. Um, again, Alfredo, I, I've had a, uh, the, the privilege of listening to your takes on some of these guys, especially last year's class, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I've enjoyed some of your takes on Twitter, so I'm really happy to dive into them today. Uh, how excited are you about this class in general? We've had such, you know, we've been so fortunate the last few years to, to have, you know, guys producing in redraft and dynasty right away for us. Uh, this has been a, a class that's been hyped for, for a few years. How are you feeling about the class in general? Yeah, you know, I feel like we say the same thing every year about all these draft classes where we get super excited about them early. And then as the draft gets a little bit closer, we hit this time of year, we get a little more disappointed. And uh, we start to say, oh, well, there's not as much talent at the top, but it's really deep. And it's it sort of just becomes like the same routine every single year. But to to be quite honest with this class, and 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 I know a lot of people are trying to like save it and talk it up. Is I get pretty uncomfortable with a lot of these picks outside of the top four. Like after you get past some of those top tier guys, like I just especially in the non super flex leagues, I get really uncomfortable with these picks. There's not a guy where I'm sitting there at pick five or six or seven, and I am just really excited about getting that player and i think this is the guy that's going to turn my team around um i think last year there was maybe about seven or eight guys that you could get and feel good in that first round of rookie drafts and um you know we've had these star wide receivers for the past few years coming out in each class and rookie wide receivers that produce we had the big running back class back in 2020 this uh this class kind of reminds me a little bit of like the 2016 rookie class where you had zeke elliott at the top and that's kind of your Bijan. And then you had a bunch of dart throws everywhere else. You ended up with like guys that ended up being good it, like, later on in the rookie draft, like Derrick Henry and Michael Thomas and Stephon Diggs, David Johnson, Tyler Lockett, like all those names, none of them, or maybe I think like one, maybe two of those guys were considered first round rookie picks that year. So I think this could end up being one of those similar seasons where, where we're going to see guys just kind of come out of nowhere, but there's not going to be a whole lot of obvious guys early in these rookie drafts. And if you had to rank positionally, this class how would you go about ranking the strengths of this class oh man uh you know i would say it's it's kind of always easy to start with tight end as, as your worst um simply because tight ends just it's it's already such a crapshoot for the ones that are in the league that it's even that much harder for the rookies even though this is a good class it's still just relative to fantasy so i'd probably put tight end at four uh quarterback is good but 
Man, I think I think quarterback and wide receiver is is really close, but I put quarterback at three, wide receiver at two, and then running back simply because of the depth and obviously the top end talent with Bijan Robinson at one for this class. Dan, we're four for four now with uh, with rookie shows where the running back position is is clearly the, the strength of the class, and I would agree with that as well. Dan, I'm curious your thoughts because you, you know you're you, you're a very accomplished dynasty player. The enthusiasm for this class. It seems like it's like, uh, you know, Alfredo touched upon it, how it seems like it happens every year. But the enthusiasm for this class, where last year we saw people, you know, coming on the show and saying, you know, trade the 2022, you know, 106 and non-superflex blindly for a, for a 2023 first. Like, there was so much enthusiasm, it just keeps kind of waning. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think it's going to pick up once we have the combine and once we have landing spots? Oh, enthusiasm always picks up after the combine. And, uh, you know, then once we get into the draft process um, in the actual NFL draft, a lot of times the enthusiasm drops right back off because all of a sudden, you know, every, everybody wants to imagine, you know, their favorite prospects going to their favorite landing spots. And just it doesn't happen, you know. Uh, it's going to be something stupid like uh, Bijan goes to the Cowboys and just totally craters his value and Tony Pollard's or something like that. So. You know, the, those are the things you have to kind of steal yourself for and be, be ready to, to see happen. But, yeah, as far as the overall class, I think, uh, it, you know, like, like Alfredo said, you know, every year, you know, they're, they're always talking up next year, next year, next year. But they were talking about the 2023 class for a, a good solid two years. Some people even talking about them when they were freshmen. Uh, so... You know, to me, it was a little bit disappointing to see, uh, you know, what this class is actually looking like. I thought it would look a little better than it does. But, you know, it is what it is. And every class always, you know, as, as you guys say, it, they have surprises. So uh, we, we won't know for a couple of years really how good this class ends up being. Yeah, and I think that this is actually, I would say that this is an, an opportunity to acquire picks because mm -hmm. the picks are going to be discounted until, you know, a few guys pop at, at the combine. You know, there's got a guy like like Quentin Johnson could do something remarkable and people start getting even more excited about him. Um, you know, we see the depth of this running back class and a few of them are going to go nuts at the combine. Uh, and I think that that's going to kind of, you know, get a little bit more enthusiasm. And I think once we have clarity um, about the running back position, we're going to dive into that with Alfredo. It's once we have a little bit more clarity on like running back three, four, five which I think that there's a lot of differing opinions on right now. I think that the, the rookie draft picks will be a little bit more valuable. Um, wanted to touch on one guy that, that Alfredo has been talking about on Twitter. Um, and it's, it's a player that we haven't dove into quite as much. Josh Downs. You really seem to like him a lot, Alfredo. We had Cody Carpentier has him like the 106 in his rookie draft. So, uh, but we didn't really dive into him. Maybe talk a little bit about his prospect profile. What excites you about him and, and how you project him as an NFL player? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things, like, from, from my background, I started off as a college football scout where I was, you know, I was scouting high school kids coming in. And really, one of the first things that you're looking at is what, what's their talent level, right? Like, that's just the raw talent. And the next thing to kind of consider was, like, what is the football IQ there? Are they going to be able to adjust to the college game quickly enough and you kind of have to ask those questions too when you talk about these college guys going to the nfl 
but that's just so hard to see to see or, or to scout. It's, it's such an intangible thing. So you try to see how much of that actually comes through in their play. And for Josh Downs, he he comes off as a very intelligent route runner. I love his route running. He's just so spatially aware. That's to me is one of the most important things in terms of a football player, whether it's quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, any of these skill guys is, are you spatially aware? Can you see the entire chessboard before making your move while you're making your move? That's why there's all these players that you know, they know how to beat a zone coverage. They know how to beat a man coverage. And then they can create yak after the catch. And, and and because they have this awareness of what's going on around them in the field. And so for me, that was something that just popped off on tape so easily. And then you, you just kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Take a look at the numbers. He's got back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, nearly 200 catches and 20 touchdowns over the last two seasons. Uh, he, he, he can beat man. He finds the open areas in zone. He's got the speed to win deep, create after the catch. He's got tremendous ball skills, which was surprising that he can come down with 50-50 balls so well, despite not being the biggest guy. Um, he led the nation in contested catch rate and had the fourth highest passer rating when he was targeted. So this is a guy that we've seen. I know people talk about him being kind of stuck in that slot receiver role, but he's a guy that we've seen lead an offense from that role. And to me, he's kind of like a, a smaller, faster Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're very similar, I think, in terms of their play style. I love that. And uh, I think that it's interesting that he was able to, and obviously they're both NFL quarterbacks, um, but he was able to thrive despite the quarterback change from Howell to May, although May is probably going to be a, you know, a, a top three pick in next year's draft. But um, any any NFL comparison? I mean, you mentioned a, a, a JSN, but is there any current NFL player that you kind of could see Josh Downs projecting like? Oh, man, that is, that's a really good one. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I'm going to have to come back to you guys yeah, on that. I'm going to have to cool. take a look at my scouting report that I had here. Cause I've got my scouting report and I, I write down some player comps when I'm in there. Yeah. Awesome. And I also wanted to, you know, I heard your story about how you were a, a scout for, for, for scouting high school players on a previous podcast, but maybe just to go a little bit more into it. Cause it's super interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was something that I was always actually just like a big fan of. And I, I was the kid that in, in high school, like I wasn't paying attention to the teacher. I was just sitting there like drawing up mock drafts. And this was like YouTube and, and like the internet, not to make myself sound that old, but like, it really wasn't all that big. Like you couldn't just pull up YouTube on your phone, your phones, cell phones didn't work like that. So like I was doing mock drafts on like line ruled paper by, by off memory. Um, and that, that's how I was having to do them. And like, to me, I would come home and then I would pull up YouTube, which was like the biggest thing, just like, start looking at players and start to learn. And, um, you know, and that was such a cool thing that I thought was like a hobby. And, and I got to college and I had played high school football and I had worked a little bit with my coach. And then I got to college. Uh, I applied for an internship to go work with the FIU football team. And I started off just doing really basic things. Let me organize all the films. Let me help you guys set up practices. And then, you know, I, I kept approaching. Hey, I'd love to do a little bit more. And they're like, yeah, here fill out all these scouting reports and it was kind of, it was more of like a get out of my face sort of thing like this will keep them busy and they handed me like a list of like a thousand names They're like here fill watch these fill out these scouting reports and i was like cool how do i do that and they're just like go on youtube go on huddle find whatever you know highlights you can and just fill these out and i think i came back after like a, it was like christmas break or something with all of them done and they were like oh okay so like th this kid actually really wants to do this like he wasn't just talking so i went from being a mario cristobal sandwich boy to uh getting a little bit more uh, a little bit more tasks uh, going on in in the program and uh, that was a really cool experience to take on for a year and kind of you know whether it was uh, doing the film film study going out to games and watching live doing the the, the recruitment trips on campus because i knew the campus really well and i was like a freshman uh, orientation guy 
um you know that, it was just a really cool experience and seeing what the difference was between those two levels so i got to do that for about a year and then when the coaching staff was let go everyone was let go and that's when i was like maybe i don't want my job to depend on like a bunch of other people right so uh yeah i, I stepped away from that uh, graciously that's awesome though and i'm sure it, it correlates uh, greatly with what you're doing right now <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun to kind of reestablish some of those skills. It's like anything. It, it's a skill. You've got to practice it to make to to be good at it. I remember when I first got back into doing this and, and reviewing the film, I was like, oh, man, I got to get better at this again. And so it, it took a little bit of time. Dan, your your general buzz on downs who we've seen go in some of these best ball drafts. But it seems like there's been a big teardrop when we get uh, through the like the top three wide receivers in best ball. To where downs and flowers are going are are you looking at him as a you know big value right now in in best ball yeah exactly because i mean i you know i think any of these guys could end up being the you know from downs flowers on up it could be the top guy in the class and you know anytime i can get that kind of a discount in a a best ball draft or you know even a you know if i was doing a startup or something like that i suspect he would probably go you know, a good bit cheaper just as he is in best ball. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take those kinds of, uh, you know, it's, it's basically arbitrage because nobody knows what the draft capital is going to be. Um, so if you can get that guy who could still end up with that great draft capital, uh, you know, who's, who's to say, uh, you know, which wide receiver is going to be drafted uh, in the first two rounds. And if, as long as he's one of them, and I think he will be, uh, you know, he could end up at a very good landing spot. Yeah, and one wide receiver who's even even uh, more discounted right now, who has seen a, a, a kind of a, a bump in some of these early mock drafts, is Jalen Hyatt. He's super interesting because we saw him dominate. You know, he had the, the incredible game against Alabama, but he's been slightly down in the wide receiver rankings. Uh, Alfredo, I saw you tweeting about him. He was not in your top six, but he's, he's certainly knocking on the door. What are your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt for among these wide receivers? Yeah, he's actually my wide receiver six right now. Yeah, so yeah, so when I had tweeted that, I had actually only watched six players. And so that's why Boutte was my number six at that point. But um I, I got to dig into a little bit of Jalen Hyatt film and man, I, I if I had to give you just the best summary to me, it's he gets a grade of incomplete at the moment. And it's it's just because I think it's a lot of things that so many people are talking about. And it's the, the stuff that jumped out to me immediately on film one without looking. And typically I just go and I look at the film before I look at anything numbers wise, profile wise, anything like that. And when he was on film, I'm like, oh, this guy's he's a big long strider. He's probably like six, three, something like that. He's going to be one of those, you know, Mike Williams, big, tall downfield type guys like really slender. And then I go and look and he's only six foot. And I'm like, OK, so six foot and he's a long strider. But man, he's got this speed and he just kept getting open and kept getting open and kept getting open. But then the thing that I started to notice was how is he getting open? And it, Tennessee did a lot of things to scheme him open. They did a lot of kind of bringing him in motion the same way that Miami did this year with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, where they're doing a lot of motion behind the line of scrimmage to get these guys already at about half speed before they ball, before the ball gets snapped. So that way can get, they can get this hot, hot top speed early. Um, you know, one of the other things was he was getting stacked behind other wide receivers a lot at the line of scrimmage. And he almost always got to avoid press coverage. Um, the, the, the wide receiver route tree, not as diverse as I'd like to see it. Um, so th 
there's a lot of questions. There's, I think there's more questions than answers when it comes to Jalen Hyatt, but you see that the potential is there. Just because he doesn't run a lot of routes doesn't mean that he's not good at running routes. He's got some sticky hands. He's got very obvious speed. Um, I think that so much of the so much of the production that we saw where he was dominating was a lot of broken coverages downfield. It was a lot of real quick one read offensive plays, and and a lot of times where it's just defensive backs on the ground falling for whatever reason or, or misplacing their coverages, and he'd be wide open with you know twenty yards of space around him. But he's one of those guys that I think because of the combine, because of his speed, and we see this every year he'll probably rise in the draft process and he'll probably be in that like first round of talks. Um, I think I know Lance Zierlein had him at pick number 12 yeah. in his mock draft going to the Houston Texans. So um, it's not crazy. I, I think that we will probably see Jalen Hyatt rise in both uh, NFL draft and, and, and dynasty rookie draft circles. Now this is a sort of a nuanced question here. When it comes to wide receivers, you put a lot of time and effort into your pre-draft process. When the actual draft happens, how much weight are you putting into draft capital? Do you think it's something that you should, do you think it's something that you should take into account but not go like all in on? Or what? how do you let draft capital affect like your changes in your rookie ranks? I think that, and that's a really great question. I think that's something that everyone talks about in Dynasty a lot. And I think that draft capital needs to be something that answers your questions. It shouldn't change your opinion entirely. Like I loved Amon Ross St. Brown. I thought he was a second round wide receiver when he was coming out into the NFL draft. He got drafted a couple of picks into the fourth round and everything that was getting out there on social media was well, fourth round wide receivers don't really, you know, produce well in the league. And I'm just like, really? So had he been picked like what, six picks before all of a sudden we're saying that he's, he has a chance at being productive and then look what he's done now in the league. So I think that if you have questions about a guy you're like, and it's, it's like a Jalen Hyatt type of guy where you're like, eh, the prospect profile is pretty incomplete then yeah, I think that draft capital can sort of answer some of those questions. I think you, you've got to let it play a role, but it can't, it can't be the thing that totally sways and changes your opinion. Um, because I, I think that's when you kind of fall into the game of not, not just not listening to yourself, man. Like you gotta, to me, I've learned, you gotta kind of stick with your original opinion on these players. It's almost like taking the SATs, right? Your first answer was probably right. So just stick with that. And Dan, how about you? Is I know, look, we discussed draft capital a lot. Is there certain positions that you let it weigh uh, into more heavily when it comes to your post-draft prospect, uh, prospect analysis? Yeah, I probably let it weigh the most heavily on uh, wide receiver. Well, quarterback the most heavily, but uh, then wide receiver after that. And, you know, I've just kind of learned over the years that, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I, I, I guess I'd put it this way. Like, uh, Jahan Dotson was a guy I wasn't super high on. Uh, you know, I just didn't feel real great about him but when he went the first round I got to let that influence you know what I think and 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 just realize hey there was an NFL team that liked him well enough to spend that first round draft capital on him and he's going to get his chances I mean you know so if if they go higher than what I think they're going to go I definitely let it influence and as Alfredo was saying if they go lower than I think they're going to go there's still somebody I'm interested in, you know, it, it might mean that I could get them a little bit cheaper in rookie drafts or whatever. Um, you know, but I'm on Ross St. Brown, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, there, there are gems that come out of those later rounds. And, you know, if you, if you think that you've got a guy that, uh, uh, you know, like Romeo Dobbs, that's a guy I have, um, you know, still some, some solid hope for because I liked him. He went later than I hoped he would, but, 
you know, still he's, I, I think, going to be a good player. So, uh, you know, he was a guy I took a lot in rookie drafts a little bit later. Hashtag Rashid Shahid. Maybe, though Rashid is not a guy that I'm, I'm super high on so far. We'll see. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the combine will change my mind. Uh, maybe he'll get more draft capital than, uh, than I think he will, but I don't know. He, he, what, do, what do you think about uh, Rashid Alfredo? Uh, we're talking about Rashid Shahid, the why, oh, oh, I'm, oh, not sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of. Uh, I was like, I was like, wide receiver yeah. for the Saints, right? I was like, I don't think <laughs> yeah. he's running no, the combine. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of Rashid Rice. Somehow I got that uh, rather than uh, Rashid. Um, I'm actually, Shahid. I'm actually with you on Rashid Rice. I'm not super high on him. I think the combine will will play a good role there. I, I, I eventually get with the program here. So any chance we get to talk Rashid Shahid in the Goat District? We like to like to sneak that in. But one wide receiver who will be on a lot of people's wide receiver one overall list, and he certainly is my wide receiver one overall, is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, how high are you on him? Um, and let's put this into a context of when you compare him to the last few classes. We'll take it back two years, the, the Jamar Chase, Jalen, uh, Jalen Waddle class, and then last year's class with you know Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks, uh, et cetera, which had so many guys hit. How would you put Jackson Smith and Jigba in the context of these of these previous classes? Yeah, so I mean, to let you in a little bit, like on where I'm at in my process, I'm still very early in my process right now. I've done my initial kind of, I do like an initial round of film review where I sort of get a lay of the land. It's pretty surface level and it's like, okay, let me just, let me put some numbers to categories for these guys and see, you know, how I'm feeling about them. Um, but after that, I'll do my analytics review, take a look at all the numbers and stats that matter, see how those stats eventually then pop on film. Uh, I'll take a look at the relative athletic score later on. I'll come back and do another film review and just kind of confirm, okay, this is how I feel about these guys. Boom. Here's the complete grade. So right now I don't have a complete grade in terms of, you know, this is how this guy ranks uh, towards previous classes. But I'll tell you this, like he's going to be behind guys like Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, um, who I had very, very high. Um, he's just barely ahead of Jordan Addison right now, who I, I really love as well in my early film scores. Uh, the tough thing with, with with Jackson Smith and Jigba is just it's. It, it's such a small sample size that we're seeing here. That sample size was still really impressive, though. It was really good, and it was with really good talent around him in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And I think all that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, what, what I love most about him is, is he's another guy who plays very smart. He looks, uh, if he looked a little bit more explosive on film and could make some of those like really impressive runs after the catch. I think we'd be talking about him as the clear number one in everyone's eyes, and I think that's the thing that's lacking right now is the speed. Um, He's not super fast, not super agile, but he runs smart. He's got he's got a, a really good way of manipulating defenders, and he gets in and out of his breaks so fast for a guy who's not particularly quick. Uh, so I just I found that to be really interesting. I think there's a lot of Keenan Allen to his game, um, not as big as Keenan Allen, but I think that he's kind of in that same mold. Um, so right now, I think if I when I went back to look at where I kind of have him grade wise, I had him a little bit just below Drake London from last year. So he's kind of sandwiched for me, at least at this point in the process, a little bit below Drake London, a little bit ahead of Garrett Wilson in the in the process. But uh, definitely ahead of Traylon Burks and then definitely behind uh, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle for me. So uh, I know it's not the best answer you wanted, but he's somewhere right. between that three and seven for me out of those eight. That's been that's been a, a, about about the uh, the context that we've we've been discussing in the last few weeks. I mean, to me, I think you bring up an interesting point that the 
explosiveness concerns some people. He might be like a four six flat type guy, which might scare some people off. Um, I think if he does run low four fives, I think that that's like a, a like a win for him. Um, Dan, your initial thoughts on on JSN? We're seeing him going about the you know the sixth round ish on early best balls. Sometimes a little bit higher. Um, he could be a, a target hog. Um, I think in year one, if he lands right, your your initial thoughts on him, Dan? Yeah, definitely. I'll be I'll be interested to see where he gets drafted. Uh, you know, like I I think draft capital is going to say a lot about him. Uh, you know, he's a guy I could see uh, slipping a little bit, or he's a guy I could see that definitely you know sticks right where we kind of think he's going to go. Uh, so I, I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with the combine because I, you know, from from what I've seen and heard, um, he is not a super super fast guy so if he does turn in that that better speed uh, you know that's going to move him up for me a little bit more uh, if he doesn't though i'm not going to double count that i mean i already expect him to not be fast so if he's not fast then that's already you know that's what i thought it was going to be so it won't move him down at all yeah and if he can if he somehow is like the 104 instead of the 102 103 then I think he's the kind of guy you really, really want to target because I think the market yep. kind of overreacts. Because again, he's he can he can be a slot receiver if he lands right too, and just be a predominant slot guy and just dominate. So um, it could be interesting. He could be like like Michael Thomas, uh, you know, where he lands in the second round instead, and Ohio State wide receiver put up big stats and you know just be a boon to our fantasy team. So I think that that's very interesting. Want to want to pivot to last year's class though, Alfredo? Because one guy you were extremely bullish on, that we were also very high on in the goat district, and uh, JD edit out this next part because I, I, I don't want the IRS getting me getting me. But uh, I have way too much uh, exposure to Jamison Williams among my dynasty teams right now. Talk about Jamison Williams. How much of an offseason buy is he to you right now, uh, and your expectations for him in year two? Good for you, man. Having a lot of Jameson Williams. I like that. And it's, he was one of those guys. There's just like a really simple rule when evaluating talent. And I loved this when I first heard it. Cause I was like, cool. So that means anyone can do this. Anyone can watch the film. And they're just like, does the person make you say, wow, like, are you just absolutely wowed by what they do on film? And that was Jameson Williams. When I turned it on, like it, it did it in the first game within the first couple of plays, I was like, Holy smokes, this guy is good. Like, he's got stuff you can't teach. Um, and he's going to be, I think he was the youngest or one of the youngest in last year's draft class. He'll be 22 this season. So he's still incredibly young. And I, I laughed at a tweet that came out the other day from uh, my colleague over at Football Guys, Dave Kluge. Or he just, you know, he, he tweeted out uh, Jameson Williams returned from a torn ACL and had just three touches as a rookie. A 41-yard touchdown reception, a 40-yard end-around rushing play, and a 66-yard touchdown called back on a penalty. Yeah, the kid might be special. So to consider those are his three touches, and we're talking about massive plays. Like I am so excited to see what he can do with a full season, with a, a clean bill of health, uh, an entire training camp under his belt. And I love, I love the fit of where he's at in Detroit because it's an offense that the defense is going to have to spread out. They can't focus on Jamison. They're going to have to focus on Amonra St. Brown, on DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, whoever else is in there. And I think these guys complement each other really well. And um, he's a guy that I am looking to acquire in dynasty leagues. I actually made this trade the other day. I think you guys will like it. Tell me what you think. This, this might be a little, little pricey, but I traded the 104 in my rookie draft for Jamison Williams and the 201. This is a 12 team single quarterback league. And I traded the 104 for Jamison Williams and the 201 because that's one, how one high up. I, 
that that's how high I am on Jameson. That's that's a that's a smash win. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and I think I think that people get stars in their eyes this time of year for draft picks, and it's I, like it's crazy. I'll, I'll be honest, Alfredo. I'd, I'd have probably given strong consideration to trading the 104 for Jameson Williams straight up. So when you all of a sudden tacked on that 201 at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. and it, it's funny, man. Like people they, in Dynasty, managers are so impatient. They get so angry if a guy doesn't play. And I think a lot of people expect the Jameson Williams to be out there like week seven or by, by Thanksgiving, right? And then he didn't. They're like, okay, well, this guy's just going to be hurt all the time and he's never going to play. And he didn't get the usage we wanted to see. And it's, I'd rather go and get the pick and go grab like a, a Jameer Gibbs or whatever, you know, early in my in my draft. And so right now, I think this is the time where dynasty managers have such a high value on rookie picks. And it's I think it's only going to get higher as we get closer to rookie drafts. And they do things like, you know, go and draft Nikhil Harry with that top three pick. So, you know, I... If you can go and get a guy that you were high on before, it's a good time to go and buy. I think yeah, absolutely. And what, what, one other thought on Jameson Williams too. I mean, we talked about the the touches that he did have. I mean, there were there were like three or four other near misses where he was targeted and and Goff just missed him. Uh, you know, but all of them he was. You know, it, if if Goff had put it in the right place, it was going to be a touchdown or a very long gain. So yeah, I love what the guys bring in. I've, I've got a ton of them in Dynasty, too, and I'm very excited for this year. Yeah, I, I love that trade as well. And I think what's interesting is when the Lions drafted him, they were very clear that they were not going to rush him back, that they viewed him as an elite prospect. And just the excitement in the organization when they drafted Jamison Williams was kind of like when Minnesota got Justin Jefferson. So I think they have a clear vision of what they're doing in Detroit. And I think the fact that you brought up how spread out the offense is I think playing opposite of a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown is really going to help. I think both of them complement one another and will help one another. So I, I think that that's uh, definitely a buy. Is there any other wide receivers that you are currently targeting uh, as a guy, whether it's a buy high, buy low, any of your off-season buy recommendations uh, at the wide receiver position? Um, I got a couple. I'll, I'll be pretty quick on that. Drake London is a guy that I think that disappointed a lot of fantasy managers in his rookie season, but he ended up pretty good in those final weeks, averaging nearly 10 targets over the final four weeks of his rookie campaign. And I think Atlanta is going to be one of those players for a, a new veteran quarterback like Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson type, but they have the trade capital, the cap space. They showed big interest in Deshaun Watson last offseason, so I would not be surprised if they go after someone uh, this offseason. London's got that excellent prospect profile. And so it, worst case scenario, if you suck with Desmond Ritter, it was still better with Ritter than it was Mariota. And so I think he's just, London's going to be a guy that gets more ingrained in this offense. Um, another guy, I think Marquise Hollywood Brown, and this is the first time I have said this yes. in his whole career, but DeAndre Hopkins appears to be on his way out. Uh, Hollywood really had a great rapport with Kyler Murray, who's going to be coming back from that ACL. So you got to imagine there's going to be a lot less running from Kyler. Hollywood's going to be just still 26 at the start of the season. There's going to be a whole new offense. They're going to be a whole new team. They're going to be trying to find their identity. They're definitely still going to have a bad defense. So this could be one of those offenses that just kind of has to manufacture touches for, for Marquise Brown. So I, I like him as a buy low. Dan, uh, I, before you give your buy lows, I want to uh, just flex that I drafted Marquise Brown wide receiver 36 overall in the yeah. FFPC, uh, never too early, 125 uh draft that I'm in, which is just ridiculous because Alfredo bring up the rapport with Kyler like through like week before his injury last year, like six games into the season, Hollywood Brown was a top 10 wide receiver easily. 
um, you know, flirting with top five numbers. So I think he's a major buy by low in Dynasty. And I think that he's also a tremendous guy to draft right now. Uh, Dan, any any guys you're looking to acquire right now? Yeah, absolutely. I just a second the notion on that. I, I've, I've been uh, just grabbing uh, Marquise Brown anywhere and everywhere that I can in, uh, in these early best balls. Um, I've got a couple shares of him in Dynasty looking to acquire more. Um, a couple other names I'd throw out there. Uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, you know, right now looking at, uh, at at DLF, he's wide receiver 36 in their latest um, mock draft. Then uh, Elijah Moore at wide receiver 41. Uh, that's another name that I like. I mean, you know, we're going to have a new offensive coordinator, uh, new offense, hopefully, uh, in, you know, new quarterback. Uh, you know, Elijah Moore was a guy that I liked a lot coming out. Uh, and he had a very good rookie year. He had a very bad second year. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, Tyler Boyd was a guy who did the same thing. You know, if you think back a few years, had a, it, you know, he had a good rookie year. Second year was terrible. And then all of a sudden, third year, he started taking off. So, it was, you know, something like that could happen there, too. So I, I like grabbing players like that on the cheap and just uh, seeing what happens and maybe you can flip them out. I love the, the Bateman call, Dan, because um, that's my name that you haven't really been hearing. He's kind of just... It's like the, the name nobody's talking about after being such a buzz guy, you know, last summer. Uh, one guy that I'm looking to acquire right now is Jerry Judy. I yes. think that he he has already broken out, and I don't think the market is quite adjusted to him. Like a locked-in, you know, wide receiver two with potential to flirt with, you know, low-end low, low end wide receiver one numbers if, if Denver takes a step forward. Uh, and Jacoby Myers, who can get super cheap right now, who is about to get paid a, a ton of money this offseason – um, somebody's gonna gonna sign him. It, he's not quite Christian Kirk last year, but somebody's gonna pay him the bag, and I think he could land quite well. Wanted to pivot over to tight end Alfredo. Um, we don't need to dive as as deeply into the into the the class like we do wide receiver, but there's one player who's at the top of the tight end ranks. It's Michael Mayer. Um, how excited are you for about him as a prospect? He's certainly gonna have the draft capital. You know, it's funny. Um, I've seen a lot of mixed opinions here, and and I think I'm one of those that might throw a wrench into this. I don't Ooh, know if okay. I have Michael Mayer as my tight end one for this class, mm -hmm. and I think it, it. So it's interesting, right? I think from an NFL perspective, if I was building a football team, Michael Mayer probably would be my tight end one. What I'm trying to do more of is take that perspective of fantasy football, and I think that Dalton Kincaid kind of becomes that guy. I'm still very early in this tight end process, but. Michael Mayer, he's 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 good. Like dude, he's very good. Don't get me wrong. And I get like all the baby Gronk comparisons that he gets. You know the the, the moniker. Uh, he's got great hands, blocking size, all that. But I still think that he's a little limited athletically. He runs very square, very boxy to everything he does. He doesn't create too many mismatches. Uh, at least I, I don't see too many mismatches that he'll create in the NFL. Yeah, he'll be bigger than guys, but he's not going to be fast than them to get open and. Uh, you know, I, I'm very curious to see where he's going to end up in the athletic testing. Because for tight end, that is where the athletic testing matters the absolute most, the relative athletic score. And when you look at all the guys who have been top tight ends in terms of fantasy production, these are players that have a good, relatively good uh, RAS or relative athletic score. And they're typically in that like mid sixes or higher. And so a lot is going to come down to, you know, Michael Mayer's agility, his long speed, all that stuff, which 
I don't know is all that great. He's definitely got the size for it, and I'm sure he'll probably get the draft capital. But Dalton Kincaid is a guy that I'm, I'm pretty high on. I just love the way he runs routes. He's so good at manipulating defenders. He's got some great uh, yards after catch ability. Reminds me a little bit of Dallas Goddard. Um, another one I've seen out there is Zach Ertz. And, you know, funny is like, I think a lot of people compare Dallas Goddard to Zach Ertz. And, you know, it's all, all these guys kind of fall in the same vein. So uh, he's a guy that I think is a mismatch guy. And I think that he'll probably test very well. So uh, still early in the tight end process. But I don't know that Michael Mayer is my hands down tight end one in this class. Kincaid, more of a move, move tight end. Uh, I like I liked that you're, you're bold with that take. Now, Dan, if, if Michael Mayer goes 18th, does that that change your opinion about him or he kind of is what he is i i expect him to go in the the late first round so 18th would be maybe you know right around it'd be the upper end of my expectations um i'm i'm a lot like alfredo i i look at the relative athletic score uh, for tight ends i do think that's very important the agility is what kind of tends to separate the ones that are really good for fantasy from the ones who are maybe more NFL good or, you know, just role players or whatever. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is with Meyer, um, they may, you know, his, his NFL team can draft him in the first round and still not play in a huge role for him right away. Um, you know, so he might be one of those guys I circle back around to later if he doesn't have that nice uh, relative athletic score like I'm looking for. Alfred, are there any other tight ends that are getting you excited in this in this draft class? Oh man, it's 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 I think <laughs> it's funny because it is a good tight end class. There's not a lot of guys that like really jump out. I think in terms of just saying wow, holy bad word uh, when you're looking at you know these tight ends on film is Darnell Washington and just how big like you can't watch this film and just not be in awe of his size his power the way he does things out on the field and that's one that i think that at his size at what like six foot seven 270 pounds whatever he's at uh i'm gonna be so intrigued to see how he tests athletically um it was a shame we didn't get to see more of him in, in that national championship game but i mean you just you throw on any film of him and he just obliterates guys and blocks he can go up and get the pass over any single part. Like that is a mismatched guy all the way. So I'll be very intrigued to see where he ends up. He's one of those that I think he's kind of in like that, that next tier. I probably tight end three right now, just based on the, the potential that he has alone. And I think that's so big, kind of like Jelani Woods last year, who was such a big guy and then tested really well. And he, he rose up the ranks at tight end. So I, I can see that for Darnell Washington. And yeah, Washington will definitely help Dan out in his points per, per uh, pancake block leagues. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those those are actually kind of the guys I tend to look for at tight end. Uh, you know, a lot of times whoever whoever's getting pushed up to number one overall in in fantasy in the the tight end rankings for uh, the rookies, I'm usually a little bit less interested in them. You know, they you know the first round draft capital um, at tight end does not mean nearly as much as it does for a wide receiver uh, or even a running back. Uh, you know, we see a lot of good tight ends who are drafted in the second, third, fourth round in the NFL. And, you know, again, it kind of comes back to that relative athletic score or just being able to take, you know, shots deep in my rookie drafts where it's not costing me a lot of draft capital if I've got room to hold a tight end for a couple of years and just sort of see what happens. And uh, Washington's definitely one of those guys, you know, and, and t um, when we're doing the, the best ball drafts, you know, those deep 28 round best ball drafts, um, Darnell Washington's a guy that I, 
I've grabbed a couple times, you know, in like the, you know, 25th, 26th, 27th round, just because, you know, I, I think he's an intriguing prospect and, uh, you know, he, he can catch the ball. So who knows? And he's been mocked a few, by a few places to go very, very highly. Yes. So I think that Dan's, Dan's right. Kincaid's a guy that I've been drafting a lot in best ball. Um, but Washington, yeah, definitely Dan. He's, he's certainly a value. We, we've, we're 47 minutes in. So we can't go too too deep here on these running backs, but Alfredo, why don't you share with us your early running back ranks? Give us a few names. Go as deep as you want here. Um, we'll skip number one. You can you can talk Bijan if you'd like, but that's a whole show. Yeah, no, there, there's no surprise at one. It's definitely Bijan Robinson. Uh, at number two, I think this is pretty much also everyone else's number two, um, uh, unless you get a little spicy with it. But it's Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I've actually seen play. I, I did see one place where Jameer Gibbs is the running back one and Bijan is the running back two. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was Ryan Wilson over at CBS. So uh, that, that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Jameer Gibbs is the number two. And I think it's just simply because of that pass catching prowess. He is, he's basically a weapon X, right? Like he's not your traditional running back. I think you're going to get a lot of uh, DeAndre Swift and Alvin Kamara comps for him uh, simply because of the way he's using the passing game. Uh, at number three, I have Zach Charbonnet who I really liked him last year, and I was surprised when he didn't come out in last year's class. And I think he only got better going from one year to the next. And I think that the thing that you're going to start to see with a lot of these running backs is that you're not going to find too many complete guys. You're not going to find a lot of Bijan Robinsons out there anymore. You're going to find guys that are specialists, guys that can specialize in and in, in, in something that's just like that just fits their mold, right? And it's going to get them on the field in committees. Because that's what we're going to see with running backs uh, all throughout the NFL. So Jameer Gibbs is going to be the passing guy. Zach Charbonnet is going to be the the wrecker. He's going to be the bowling ball down the middle of the field. Uh, he has pass catching ability, and we've seen it over at UCLA. Uh, but I think that he his size, his goal line ability is going to get him easily onto an NFL field. Uh, a guy that I have at four who he scares me, and I, I may be dropping him, but I think if, if it scares you, it's good. It's Kendry Miller running back out of TCU. Um, he's one of those guys that I, I think, can, uh, man, he possesses a nice blend of speed, size, lateral agility, vision, contact balance, all those things. The only thing is never really showed that that receiving ability uh, at TCU. And I wonder how much of that is just him not having natural hands or them not using him. We had the same conversation last year with Kenneth Walker, right? And we see he can obviously catch a football. So that'll be something to, to take a look at. And then my guy who I loved, and then everyone else loves him now too. The senior bowl was really big for Tajay Spears out of Tulane. So I've got him at running back five. Um, and I think a lot of those names that you were hearing all throughout, you know, the, the regular season and off season last year, um, you know, are some of the guys that I have lower here. I've got Devon A. Chain at, at running back six. Uh, I'm very high on Rashawn Johnson, who I've got at running back seven, who, who may continue to go up my ranks, uh, seeing how the combine goes. Zach Evans at eight, Tank Bigsby at nine, and Sean Tucker at ten. Love it. Um, I, I love the the Charbonnet uh, ranking. That's a guy that I'm extremely high on as well. Spears, what a win for him to with his weigh in, because we were expecting him to be a lot smaller. Um, but you're you're like, do we see Spears maybe maybe touching that second round, or, or are you thinking he's maybe a little bit lower? Oh, you mean a second round in the NFL draft yeah, or, or rookie draft? draft? You think he's a you think I, he's a, you know day two guy? 
Man, I, it's the NFL draft, right? Anything's possible. We saw we saw James Cook go pretty high last year as well, um, and I didn't necessarily think he should have gone that high, but I, I think it's very possible for Tajay Spears to go second round. I wouldn't bank on it. I say I still say he's a day two guy. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot of these running backs go in round three, um, and, and I think that's where we're, we're probably going to see like Kendry Miller, Tajay Spears, Devon A. Chain, Rashawn Johnson, Zach Evans, like a, a, a big group of these guys all go in round three. And I think that's going to be the sweet spot in the NFL draft. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to to see so many guys go going on day one and day two with the running back position. It's certainly exciting for fantasy. Dan, um, who are, who's the guys that, that you're excited about right now? You know, when we get past, you know, the Bijan and Jameer Gibbs tier. Yeah, so Roshan Johnson is uh, he's he's probably the one that I'm most excited about right now. I think he, you know I don't know that he'll go third um, of the those running backs in the NFL draft, but I just like what he brings to the table. So I think he's a, he's a solid, solid pick. Um, also, you know, Spears is, is great for sure. Love the fact that he was able to pop in the senior bowl. Um, I, I still like uh, uh, Chase Evans a lot out of Illinois. I think, you know, he's got a good all around Chase, Chase Brown. Brown. I mean, yeah. Chase yeah. Brown. Sorry. Um, out of uh, Illinois, I think he's got a good all-around skill set. He's somebody that I'm looking to see if he can, uh, you know, stay in like the fourth round or something like that. You know, to stash on the back end of uh, my benches. I think he's somebody that you know he might not do much this year, but uh, could could come around. Eric Gray is another guy like that out of Oklahoma. Uh, I like him a lot, and then uh, a chain out of uh, A and M. If he goes to the right spot. Um, you know, he could be a really nice weapon too. Yeah, I like a chain. He's, he's just a little small, but I, I, yeah. I agree with you. Landing spot could be, you know, could really move him up because he's exciting when you watch his film. Um, is there any dynasty buys uh, you're recommending at the RB position right now, Alfredo? It's so hard to, to buy a dynasty running back because usually, like, when, if they're good, people are keeping them because there's not a lot of them. And then, especially in dynasty, like, there's not a lot of young ones either. Um, I so this one was was difficult to come up with, but a guy that that I think you can buy just because I think so many people are trying to sell him after uh, you know a great rookie campaign, which is Damian Pierce. I think that a lot of people are already like, oh, move Damian Pierce, cash in right now, Can't get you know get your chips, and, and and that's it. And it's just you, you look at a team like the Texans, and how often do we see teams that are rebuilding like this that need so many other pieces say? you know what we should do? Let's invest highly in a running back. And I don't think that we're going to see that where they put a lot of free agent money into a running back or they put a high draft capital into a running back. They may get one of these other guys that we that we mentioned, right? Like maybe a, a, a Devon A-chain out there with Damian Pierce to be kind of a pass-catching guy. Uh, you know, like th- there's going to be complimentary pieces, but I still think that Damian Pierce, he proved his worth as a lead running back i think he did an excellent job on a team that was not very good that should only get better that should actually have more of a passing attack next year so uh yeah damian pierce i, I really like him as a buy for for dynasty love that one uh dan your, your thoughts on any dynasty running backs you're looking to buy right now yeah um first i need everybody to get their barf bags ready because you're probably not gonna like Don't what i say but you know uh okay we've given our listeners time so James Conner, you know, if you are if you are going for a title, I think he's a great running back to add. I don't think Arizona is going to add much at running back. I think they're going to probably do something in free agency, but I see Conner as being the lead back still. I mean, that guy has, you know, he's, he's got great hands. 
They use him in the passing. They used him in the passing game. I mean, you know, new offense coming in, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, they're going to be leaning on him. Kyler Murray is, you know, if he plays the first few weeks, is not going to be Kyler Murray. Uh, they're going to be looking to protect him. I think there's a good chance they put a, you know, they hire a defensive head coach uh, who's probably going to want to run the ball. So you know, Connor to me, his game hasn't really slipped at all. Um, so he's a guy that I would I would definitely not buy mind buying for the next year. For sure. No, I, I like that one, uh, Dan. I, I've, I've, I, I would agree on that one. You know, because he's cheaper than a number of these backs that are putting up equal numbers. You know, you think about like the the Chubb tier of guys is definitely a lot higher, but are going to cost you a lot more if you want to add a veteran running back. I'll, I'll say I would kick the tires on DeAndre Swift, especially if Jamal Williams resigns. Uh, he's yes, an elite, yeah. elite talent, and I think some people are, are growing a little bit frustrated with the situation, the usage. But we saw Deuce Staley at Carolina, so there might be a, a change in how the running backs are used in Detroit this year slightly. And then I would kick the tires on James Cook because I think his role will continue to grow in Buffalo. That offense has got to have a little bit of self-scouting uh, after the playoff loss. Uh, and I think using more James Cook, especially if Devin Singletary is no longer a bill, um, I think, you know, James Cook could take a nice, nice leap forward in year two. Um, Alfredo, you've been extremely generous with your time. We're at 55 minutes here in the district. Give us your early rookie rankings. If we're drafting a rookie draft today, which way are you going? And we'll say non-super flex. Oh, man. Okay. So, all right, let's start at the top. Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, then I think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, and then this is where I told you, like, this is where I start to get a little uncomfortable. I get a little queasy. Um, and it's funny, like, this is where you actually have to put your rankings towards what you'd actually do. I say Quentin Johnston here at five, but I don't know that if I had that fifth pick, I'd actually pick him. I might go with someone I like more, like a Josh Downs. So uh, Quentin Johnston at five, Josh Downs at six, Zach Charbonnet seven, Zay Flowers at eight. And then this is where I start to consider the quarterbacks, you know, who, who went to the better situation, uh, Young, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud at nine or 10. And then I think 11 and 12, this is where you can start to look at those guys that maybe get a bit of a, a uptick because of their draft capital. Like does a, a Tajay Spears end up going in the second round? Does a, a Jalen Hyatt get taken in the top 20 picks or something like that? And that's where you can start to look at some of those guys, but that, that's where I am early in the process here. Love it. Um, this was fantastic today. Um, Dan, this Dan's heading out of town. We're going to, we're going to miss Dan in the, uh, in the goat district. You're going on your big trip this week, Dan, let all the goat district listeners, uh, you can flex on them with your, your trip plans this week. Yeah. Heading out to, uh, St. Martin for three weeks. So, uh, really looking to enjoy some, some time away from, uh, the Minnesota late winter blues and, uh, you know, get in, get into some nice sun, get a nice place right on the beach. I mean, basically it's, you know, you walk out the back door, uh, take, seven or eight steps and you're you're in the ocean so it's it's literally that close so uh looking looking forward to that and uh once i get back then uh be right back into best balls and rookie drafts and everything else so you'll still be drafting from st martin dan well maybe i mean sneak one in (laughs) yes i will for sure alfredo remind everyone where they can find you yeah you guys can find me on twitter at the pretend gm 
And then all my work is over at Football Guys. I'll be writing articles in the offseason, some rookie scouting reports. And then I've got my show, the Pretend GM Fantasy Football Show, where I'm going to be joined by a, a whole bunch of different guests. We're going to be talking rookie stuff right now as we're in you know, rookie season. And then uh, after that, we'll be recapping everything and getting you set for the 2023 fantasy football season. Awesome. Well, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. We're going to be back this afternoon with Josh Larkey on some early ADP values. Um, Josh and Josh and JD and I had a chance to draft against one another recently in an FFWC draft. We're going to dive into that. And then join us on Wednesday night. Uh, Pat Corain will be back in the district. Uh, so everybody enjoy your week and uh, tune in later. Take care.